You're listening to All the King's Men. The views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and other contributors. They do not necessarily represent those of the Los Angeles Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the King's Men. This is it, guys. In this episode, we are talking about actual Kings players doing actual Kings things. No more World Cup. No more development camp or rookie camp we have la kings insider john rosen and jack a wilson from fox sports west with us today but before we get into that i have to recommend again that you subscribe to the podcast there should be plenty of news coming out of king's camp over the next few weeks and we are going to be covering it as well as continuing our 50 Kings series doing post-game pods on some preseason games there's the kings versus kings game coming up there's gonna be a lot to talk about and i don't want you guys to miss any of it frankly so uh, subscribe as I mentioned earlier, we've got Jack A. Wilson and John Rosen on the pod today. I managed to stop them from talking about college football for once, but there was a slight technological hiccup. You may notice a slight change in the audio quality from one of us during the episode, and I award five King's crowns to whoever can tell me when it happened. Ears peeled, King's fans. Here we go. Season is on. Joining me today, LA Kings insider John Rosen. How are you doing today, John? Wonderful, Jesse. Thank you. Uh, attempting to uh, become the you know first podcast uh, guest in history to be both gritty and skilled. So uh, uh, I think I have my work cut out for me here today. We are raising the bar in the 50th anniversary season. And joining us as well from Fox Sports West, Jack A. Wilson. How are you doing today, Jack? Well, I spent at least one day of my offseason at a fish concert with John Rosen. So I would say best offseason ever. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> you got the. Uh... I saw a good show too. What time? <laughs> it was a great show. Hey, guess what? They jammed a tube, which I'm told is a thing, and not just a thing, but a significant thing. Well, look, I would, uh, uh, I would rather listen to fish talk than college football talk. So I'm thrilled <laughs> that, that you guys have finally found a way to come together. Uh, <laughs> but uh, after a long, there was some agreement there uh, for a good like two and a half hours at one point. Yeah, look, in a, in a year that has seemingly been all about division in this nation, it's it's good to see you two finally uh, agree on something. No, <laughs> it, it it was it was great to see something like fish bring together a diverse group of white dudes in the in the ages of 20 to 40 it was really great to see all those like the wide variety of white dudes between the ages of 20 and 40 i, I think like even 20 is pushing it because i've always <laughs> like as like a children of men following where there are no new fish heads created they all just kind of get older year by year so i still feel like i'm one of the younger ones it's like it's an older crowd well i <laughs> There's something else that generally brings together white guys ages 25 to 40, and that is hockey. <laughs> and uh, the hockey season is that upon is us. Rookie camp coverage. That's right. The, yeah. hockey, the hockey season is upon us officially now. The World Cup has uh, reached the uh, medal stages. Rookie camp is over. Training camp is upon us. But before we get to the proper training camp, John, what can you tell us about rookie camp? Was there anyone that stood out to you? Yeah, there were a number of names. I think most of them were probably on the defensive end. Obviously, the guys who have already played uh, in the AHL before, a little bit older, advanced, developmentally, those guys stand out. Your Johnny Brzezinski's Joel Lowry, among the older players in camp. Uh, Mike Amadio, who's a little bit younger, uh, does a lot of really good things uh, with and without the puck. Uh, that trio against the Arizona Coyotes rookies um, really spent a lot of time working in the offensive zone. And I know talking with hockey operations in the second game, which was a loss by the team, 
Uh, they really like the play of Joel Lowry, too. Uh, that group provided really good leadership uh, in the games against Arizona. Um, so they were impressive. Um, but looking back uh, at defense, uh, absolutely, Demir Shripsinov uh, kind of came away with an impression that I really hadn't uh, had before. Um, somebody that, a very physical player, uh, able to play the body. He, he His body is filling out right now and should probably be all right to be able to withstand the AHL. Um, I thought he was fine. He, he's still somebody that has to work on his skating. Um, his mobility could improve, but in all other aspects, I thought he did a lot of good things. Alex Lintuniemi, again, as somebody who's been through the ringer just a little bit in terms of his rookie camps before, uh, I thought he was also pretty good. But uh, give give credit to the guys who played under Mike Stuthers because uh, they went into those games in Arizona, and you look at some of the offensive talent that the Coyotes had on those teams. I believe it was, what, seven first-round draft picks on those teams. You know, you're playing, and, and that's even to say about Christian Borak, who I believe is a second-rounder and was the most impressive out of Arizona's guys. Um, but you're going against, you know, Dylan Strome, former number three pick overall, uh, Jacob Chikrin, Lawson Kraus. Um, there were some really interesting pieces there, and uh, it was a pretty good split. If you talk to anybody uh, with the team and, and, and having talked to Mike Stuthers, he, he really liked the five periods uh, that he got from the team. There was just one letdown period, the second period uh, in the Wednesday game against the Coyotes. So uh, they were good uh, guys. Some of the tryout guys, Matt Luck, Matt, uh, Matt Gutierrez. Um, these guys were pretty good as well. So uh, a good, diverse mix. No one that you're looking at that's going to be a, you know, a, a first-line type caliber high-skill player. Um, but in terms of guys that they think can probably go in, play their system, play smart, play as a king, uh, provide some depth both offensively and defensively, uh, it was a pretty good mix and a good performance. Rookie camp wasn't the only thing that happened this week. The World Cup of Hockey was going on. Well, one member of that uh, tournament who stayed home was Jeff Carter. John, what can you tell us about Jeff Carter? Um, it, it looks like he should be full go from camp. I think full go was was the exact words that I had heard back from hockey operations when I had asked uh, earlier on Thursday. Um, still, uh, I'm not sure if full go means completely 100% ready at the very, very first on ice session or whether it's day two. But uh, but every every single indication that I've had is that he should be ready and available from training camp and, and should be fine throughout uh, the preseason. I haven't asked yet of how they or I have asked, but I haven't heard back yet just on how he's kind of going to be treated in, in the preseason, whether obviously with the 82 games um, uh, ahead being the ultimate goal for him to play in all of. Um, so at this point right now, I look forward to asking Daryl how this will how such a player will be handled handled. Um, but all indications are that he should be fine and that there's no issue uh, come day one of training camp, which is. Uh, obviously good for the Kings, especially when you consider so many uh, other pieces uh, missing time right now. They won't have a full assortment of players and, and obviously good to get uh, somebody who dealt with a little bit of an injury uh, last year uh, skating regularly and having that full type of preseason that, that helps you get off to a good start. Jack, I know you've uh, spent a lot of the summer paying attention to baseball, but you live within shouting, <laughs> shouting distance of some of the Kings. Have you seen any of them out and about? And uh, do you get the sense that they're uh, ready for training camp? Well, I think we all saw Tyler Toffoli this offseason, right? Like, he was a man about town. But um, we actually we interviewed some of the players. We're just starting to gather all of our stuff that we usually do during the preseason. And uh, one of the guys we interviewed was Tyler Toffoli. And he uh, obviously going into a contract year here and a guy that's probably going to get paid pretty well soon. Um, he talked about staying home so that, uh, or excuse me, staying in LA for the first time this off season so that he could, uh, he could train with Matt price, uh, the Kings uh, strength and conditioning coach. 
and uh, and how that really helped and how he feels stronger and better shape uh, going into this season. And so obviously, and then we talked about the uh, the perks of all uh, when when you choose to do that, the perks that come along with it of spending L.A. or summer in L.A. So uh, he he what we saw him. I think he played in two charity ping pong tournaments. He uh, <laughs> was on the Nick Nick Kids Choice Awards, the SBs. Uh, throughout the he first pitch at Dodger Stadium. stadium. He, he did. He hit, yeah, he hit a home run at Dodger Stadium during uh, taking batting practice there. So, uh, Tyler Toffoli. Him, he told me that he hit a home run. Not that I have any reason to doubt Tyler Toffoli. I, so. I, I was. I only heard about it. I only heard of it. I, 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 I watched Ryan Getzloff hit a home run at Angel Stadium, but uh, that's, that's the only uh, hockey-related home runs I've seen this offseason with <laughs> my own eyes. That's a big thing. The best baseball players on the team are Jeff Carter and Braden McNabb, from my understanding and their background. And, and is that a big thing? <laughs> well, not a big thing, but no. But if he's, you know, I'll, I have to reestablish my like baseball player hierarchy uh, amongst Kings players right now. Look, before yeah. before today, I didn't know that being the best baseball player on a hockey team was a a metric. So look, we're learning something new it's every, still every not. day. <laughs> It, it's it's still not uh but uh it's no and i think actually and i i i heard that among um when we when we talked to some of the the younger guys in general on the team um guys that are probably have a solidified spot on the team but are still in the earlier parts of their careers i don't know if it was a coincidence or a trend or what but a lot of those guys the nick shores the tyke i mentioned tyler Tafoli. Um, a lot of those guys stayed in L.A. to train during the offseason. Uh, Kyle Clifford said the same thing. He was here all offseason. So, um, you know, I, I, like I said, I don't know if that's a trend or, or what, but, uh, but it, can't be, it can't be a bad thing uh, going forward into this season, that's for sure. I wouldn't think. And uh, we also have the last Frozen Fury at the end of this training camp. Um, John, we've obviously covered a lot of the training camp stories over the course of the summer. Uh, is there any uh, any stories that maybe the fans are not aware of or anything looming in this training camp or, or any storylines that maybe we should be aware of? Um, you know, I, I, I think the answer to that is that there's just going to be tremendous competition, whereas in the past you could pretty much uh, gather what the roster would be within maybe one or two players. I mean, there have been recent years, the cup year, the most recent cup year, the question going into the season was who was going to back up Jonathan Quick. You know, will it be Matthew Garon or Ben Scrivens? Um, so this year, uh, you know, there are, there's obviously competition up front, but I think when you talk to people in the front office, there's major competition on the back end. Uh, and the interesting part of this is we're going to see a lot of organizational depth here. Um, with so many players gone, and you know, with Helene Elliott also uh, in her column noting that Jonathan Quick is going to take a tiny bit of time off and then come back uh, next week and really get his uh, his workload in in the final games before the start of the season in Frozen Fury. Um, you know, you look up and down this roster, uh, there are two split squad games, so you're going to see a lot of players who are going to be playing in Ontario, and some of the younger players remain up with this team uh, and play in very big preseason, not big, but play in these preseason games. So players are going to get their opportunity. If you're in a battle for a position right now, as always, you're going to have a very fair opportunity to go in and try and earn a spot. Um, guys right there on the bubble, obviously up front, Michael Latta, um, uh, tough, tough uh, opportunity right there. As he, he, the numbers suggest that he's going to be in a, in a tough battle to try and make this team too. Um, uh, obviously, players like Andy Andrioff, Nick Shore have to continue to show that you know, their, their development and 
you know, what they can provide is going to be able to help this team this year. And, and they've showed uh, flashes of that through their Kings tenures. Um, so it's going to be interesting. There are going to be injuries. There always are every single year. Um, on the back end, it's going to be a, a lot of interesting younger players with more kind of tenured stalwarts um, who might not be uh, as mobile when you look at somebody like Matt Green or Rob Scuderi, but still have other intangible and other uh, valuable aspects that the team covets. So, um, you know, on the back end, it's, it's going to be very interesting. So it's better competition this year than you usually have um, on, uh, uh, on a team that is, is maybe uh, dealing with some depth challenges that, you know, previous incarnations of the Kings uh, didn't necessarily have. So I have a question for John. And John, if you can, when you answer this, can you please make it sound like you're now talking through a telephone? Uh, so of the young group of guys, uh, with when you look at guys like Dowd, Mersch, Forbert, and Gravel, who do you think it is, um, if you had to pick one of those guys or maybe someone on that level that I didn't name, who's going to be the guy that we see play the most games for the Kings this season? Uh, it'll be whichever defenseman uh, ends up making the team out of camp or comes is the first defenseman called up uh, out of camp. I, I think the likelihood of that would be somebody like Kevin Gravel or Derek Forbert. Um, but then again, there's three C is wide open. Nick Dowd is somebody still too um, that can come in and step in uh, and end up playing, you know, maybe 60 games in, in a uh, you know more of a positive scenario for this team. Uh, he showed at the end of the year, especially in the very first game. Uh, where he was working in the offensive zone, drew a, a penalty while he was in the offensive zone and fired some shots off um, that he was somebody that could at least play at the pace uh, in, in his first um, cup of coffee in the NHL. So uh, that's going to be somebody interesting to watch. Um, you know, it's whoever ends up taking, if somebody from that group also takes that 3C spot, um, that's more of an entrenched role because guys tend to go in and out of that fourth line. Um, which would suggest that they're not going to have uh, as much of an opportunity, perhaps, as, uh, as, as others, since uh, there's not as much regularity. But um, it, it's interesting. I, I think those guys are the names that you would likely see. Um, I still think, you know, there is a chance that you see guys like Michael Latta, uh, Zach Trotman open the era in AHL Ontario, where they declare waivers. The history of hockey, it seems to me, is a, a sort of seesaw back and forth between teams that decide they want to win by going big and tough and teams that decide they want to go win by, by going fast and skilled. Um, we see this debate now again with uh, Team USA's disappointing turnout in uh, the World Cup. John, there's been a lot of talk on Dean Lombardi in charge of both the Kings and that World Cup team. Um, he spoke a lot over the summer, and the scouting staff did too, about having to you know rethink their strategy uh, or, or rebuild the team and, and do things that they've maybe have gotten away from doing as far as innovation. Is there any sense from you that they have changed their fundamental identity? You know, between a, a big tough team to trying to maybe get more skill in the lineup. Well, they've always been trying to get more skill in the lineup. They were trying to get more skill in the lineup in 2011. They were trying to get more skill in the lineup in 2014 when they traded for Marion Gabrick. I mean. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I think that there's this kind of misconception that the way to win is just to get as much skill as, as possible. And, and, and away you go, if that were the case, and, you know, we'd be celebrating the, you know, Colorado Avalanche and Edmonton Oilers of this decade. <laughs> um, obviously, um, you know, when you're putting a team together, and I think this is kind of like a, a group think, especially if you spend time on Twitter, um, that where the, the conversation tends to go away and, and apologies if I'm being critical to anyone who, who disagrees here, but it's not just a, a, a skill versus grit type debate. 
Um, and apologies to Jack, because I know he's heard me go through with this spiel here to uh, once or twice before. <laughs> um, but but to win in the NHL, it's complicated. To just say that it's this team has to have more skill or this team um, should uh, avoid trying to draft bigger players, that, that's overly simplistic. You win in the NHL um, by being a team that has both, by mixing that, by having an excellent defense, by having a very strong goaltender. You, you win by building from the back out. You win by having... Uh, an excellent buy-in under a head coach. Um, you win by the structure with which you play, and that leads to puck possession and having more attempts at the opponent's net and having more scoring chances than your opponent. Um, you know, you win by organizational details, down to the minute details of how you travel, how you take days off, uh, you know, how, how your time is structured at home and on the road. Um, it goes through all of this. There are intangibles. It's how your star players perform, whether there are injuries. Um, so just to say that this is a Kings team, um, that uh, is devoid of skill, and that's why you know that, that they're, they may be challenged to uh, you know to to repeat the type of success that they had in the regular season last year. Um, you know, I think that well, maybe the the, the end result of that uh, that that discussion that maybe they won't be as good because, of course, you take Milan Lucic out of the lineup, that's going to have an impact on this team. This team is going to have to find some goals from somewhere and have, as many have said, um, stronger seasons for players like Marion Gabrick and, and Justin Brown. Uh, if that is possible. And it certainly uh, you, you'd think would be the case uh, in Marion Gabrick, who, uh, who has looked good so far in this World Cup of Hockey. Um, so it, it, there's so many different aspects uh, that go into winning. Um, the Kings benefit from having a very good core uh, in Drew Doughty and Andre Kopitar and Jonathan Quick. They benefit from that type of structure with which they play. And that's why you see year after year, they are one of the top possession teams in the league. And they are one of the best teams in the league at playing without the puck. They have strong goaltending. Uh, but in terms of skill, and certainly skill is a very big factor, that is an area where the team does have to get better uh, and does have to kind of make a concerted effort to go out and acquire those types of players. Um, because still, if you look at the players coming up through the minor leagues and some of their prospects, they're still some of the more bigger, heavier types guys, uh, obviously like Justin Auger, who's going to have a good chance of playing. Matt Schmalz is somebody that I should also uh, bring up as having a pretty good rookie camp as well. He said that he models his game after Justin Auger, which I thought was interesting, modeling a, a game after someone who hasn't yet made an NHL team. <laughs> um, but, you know, Michael Mersch, um, these are guys that um, they have coming up right now. Adrian Kempe, probably the most skilled player uh, with the highest upside, but he's not going to be ready yet uh, at the very start of the season. Could be a later uh, season call-up uh, if all trends well. So it's a very complicated issue. To just boil it down to grit versus skill I don't think is uh, it, you're going to find the most accurate conclusion of what you're looking for. An excellent opportunity, by the way, to see a lot of the names we've talked about today is to go to the Kings versus Kings game uh, on Ontario this Sunday at 3 p.m. Jack, I know you won't be there, John. I'm assuming you will. Um, it's going to be an interesting format, though, not a straightforward game. Um, John, what can you tell us about some of the changes they've uh, they're going to be implementing for this one event? Well, it seems like it's just something that, that gets them into kind of a game day routine and gets them ready for a, a pretty big week ahead. Um, there's going to be five on five. There's going to be four on four, three on three, probably some uh, power play, uh, penalty killing, some special teams time, obviously. And, and it's going to end in a shootout. Any penalty uh, will result in a, in a shootout uh, attempt. Um, so it's not going to be a traditional, um, you know, exhibition game from what I've been told. Um, so uh, from there, uh, the Kings will have a busy week with uh, four games, really five games. Uh, if you count the split squad game on Monday. Uh, and I spoke with some of the coaches about this when we were traveling back from Arizona in the rookie games where, you know, it's kind of a compacted week. And then you have basically four days off uh, in advance of frozen fury. And, and I got the sense that the coaches liked uh, that they had that week 
uh, because you're going to start really getting everybody back uh, from the World Cup. Um, you know, there, there are going to be probably some dings and, and scratches throughout the preseason, and guys will be able to rest up a little bit. It'll be a good opportunity to, again, reinforce systems. So uh, there should be a good week of practice, you would think, uh, before heading into uh, the final preseason games uh, at T-Mobile Arena. So uh, hockey season is here, uh, at least the preseason almost, and uh, it starts with a very busy week. Kings will be in action four different days next week. I've already seen games involving Jonathan Quick, Andre Kopitar, Marion Gabrick, Jake Muzzin, and Drew Doughty. So as far as I'm concerned, hockey season is here, uh, which means, Jack, that Fox Sports West is going to start cranking up their production. What can you tell us about uh, your coverage of the Kings' 50th anniversary? We'll have it on uh, every platform, uh, on, on FoxSportsWest.com, on Kings Weekly, on Kings Live pregame and postgame, on our Kings broadcast. Um the Kings are going to be providing lots of cool moments and look backs at, looks back at uh, uh, the the history and the greatest moments in franchise history, and we will be adding to that by uh, we are tapping into a very unique um, uh, wealth of knowledge and experience that the Kings organization has, which is uh, their broadcasters. When uh, Bob Miller, Jim Fox, Nick Nixon, and Daryl Evans all started their time with the Kings, either as players or whatever whatever form they were, all started their time with the organization, you know, whatever, over 30 years ago or, or whatever it is. And Bob's been there for nearly the entire run. So we are doing a series of features that it sounds like we're calling uh, uh, Royal Reflections, 50 Years with the Kings. And we sat down, all four broadcasters, to tell us their favorite stories, memories, accounts of things that happened during their time with the Kings. Some of them are stories from the road, of being on the road with the team. Some are games they remember calling. Some of the, for, for Jim and Daryl, it's some of their favorite games they played in. Uh, but there's some really, really cool stuff and some stories that a lot, that nobody's heard before. And some stories about moments that, you know, I thought I knew everything about. And We've you know Miracle in Manchester and all those things that we see over and over again that you just kind of think you I you know about everything that happened and you know these are guys that shed a very unique perspective on those things so that's what we'll be bringing you uh, I've spent I and our game Kings game producer uh, Hoover have spent the entire summer digging through the archives of Fox Sports West and putting together a catalog of some really cool old stuff uh so we'll be doing those those types of pieces and then we just found a lot of other like funny goofy stuff that uh is uh just beautifully outdated video of guy of, of <laughs> our guys like jim fox and and guys like dave taylor and and old kings players so we're going to be doing lots of throwback thursdays especially since uh kings weekly debuts every thursday night on fox sports west so uh, lots and lots and lots of fun look, looks back at uh, the 50 years of the Kings. Beautifully outdated is a, is a great turn of phrase, Jack. I love that. Uh, I'm not a huge autograph hound, uh, but I do have a, a crate or two of Kings memorabilia I've collected over the years. And one of my most prized possessions is a puck signed by uh, Jim Fox, Bob Miller, Daryl Evans, and Nick Nixon. So I am particularly... That's solid. Particularly looking forward to all that. Before we wrap this up, I want to talk about the other preseason news that was announced and that is the unveiling of the king's 50th anniversary jersey um john what can you tell us about that jersey and how often we'll be seeing it this year 
Uh, it'll you won't see it on uh, oh, the home opener because the Kings will be wearing their gold jerseys that night. But they'll be wearing it uh, Saturdays through the end of the season. After that, I think it looks fine. I, I would have preferred to see a little bit of a trace of, of purple in there, foreign blue, excuse me. <laughs> um, you know, I think obviously the gold pays homage to the golden anniversary, the 50th anniversary. Uh, but uh, foreign blue was uh, still a you know a kind of a, a the essence of of the Kings, uh, where they have won in various uh, incarnations of that color. Um, well, maybe not one regularly or won anything of, of real substance, <laughs> but they've won some regular season games in a 2001 playoff series. If you want to go back a little bit, too. And they, um, and they wore but, uh, Forum Blue more often than they didn't in the history of the franchise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I think that um, I would have liked to see a little bit of purple trim on the jersey. Um, you know, I think there's a little bit just on the inside of the neck, but, you know, you don't get to see that. So I think it looks fine. Um, but, uh, you know, on the back, the, the gold uh, outline of the player's name, the triple stitch, I think it is, uh, looks pretty good. So it, it, it looks fine. Uh, just would have liked to see a little bit of purple, too. I was surprised at how good the uh, the gold trim looks, as far as I'm concerned, how much it brings out the numbers. Jack, yeah. any thoughts on the New Jersey? I, I like it. I mean, I think, I, I think it's pretty... Um, there's nothing too crazy going on, which is good because um, between the outdoor games and and the and the the recent transition of primary jerseys, I think as Kings fans we have a a lot of jerseys to think about right now. <laughs> yep. um, and it is cool, but it is cool to like have all that variety. But there is something to be said for when you go to a game and seeing kind of everybody in the same jersey and that kind of stuff. Um, so, so, you know, rather than just crazy colors and different. So I like the fact that this is kind of close to the outdoor jersey from a couple of years ago. Um, and I, I don't know if that was intentionally played off of as, as, a, as a starting point, but it seems to definitely have uh, some similarities to that. So I, I like that. I like that it almost seems to just be like an updated version of, of those outdoor, outdoor jerseys, um, the kind of staying in, in that realm there. Well, as you say, Jack, there's a lot of jerseys for fans to think about, a lot of new names for fans to think about, a lot of new faces. We're going to see them sorted all out in training camp, which opens Friday. Uh, the Kings versus Kings game Sunday in Ontario at 3 o'clock. You should all come check it out. I want to thank you for joining me, fellas. John, thank you. Hey, thank you, too. And just one more tiny bit of injury information. Oh, sure. uh, I, I missed it before. Uh, Kale Clegg uh, got tangled up a little bit behind the play in the second, uh, mm. second period of the second rookie game. Um, the earliest prognosis, which was shared shortly after the game, and it can probably be updated uh, pretty soon, but uh, was that it shouldn't be too bad. It's a lower body injury. It's something where he's probably going to miss just a little bit of time, uh, but shouldn't be something too severe. Uh, also, uh, Paul Ledoux didn't play in the two rookie games because he's got a uh, just a minor groin thing going on. That's no big deal at all. Uh, I'm told that he could have played in both games, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what type of a role he has uh, at training camp in the preseason. And with that being said, thank you very much, Jesse Cohen. And thank you, Jack A. Wilson. I'm, I'm, since John went ahead and added one last thing, <laughs> I'm going to add one last thing. Better uh, not be and actually, I, for, I should have mentioned this. Uh, we talked a little bit about the 50th stuff we'll be doing, but obviously we'll be bringing back everybody's fan favorite features throughout the season. With the return of Bob Miller, which that was announced earlier this West uh, this week by Fox Sports West and the Kings, that Bob's going to be coming back uh, doing not all the games, but a, but a large majority of the games. Um, with the return of Bob, of course, comes the return of Coffee with Bob. Uh, maybe we'll go decaf until we know that the ticker is fully uh, fully in the clear. Which, but uh, the 
so we're going to start out um, in our Kings, season, our Kings season preview, which will air the night of the first Frozen Fury game, um, which is, help me out here, that is October 7th. Uh, and so we're going to be doing, uh, we're going to be showing a clip of our first Coffee with Bob, which is with Dean Lombardi. Uh, and lots of really good, insightful uh, discussion between Bob and Dean looking back at the last couple seasons, this off season, uh, and then, of course, the upcoming season and everything that goes along with, with that. Um, so you'll be able to see a chunk of that kind of previewing this season on our King Season Preview Show uh, after Frozen Fury. And then see episode two of King's Week of the season, the entire episode will be the full conversation with Dean Lombardi and Bob Miller. And it was really, really something special. Um, I think De- Dean's always, obviously always interesting to listen to and has some great insight into the team and is great at sharing that and hearing Bob Miller at the other side of the table. Um, it's, it's awesome. I, I, there's no other way to put it. So uh, King season preview special during Frozen Fury and then King's weekly all season long, lots more coffee with Bob. Well, I, I've been waiting for hockey to come back for a very long time, and I am almost more excited about that than I am the season. So one last time, <laughs> thank you both. Thank you both for joining me. Thanks for listening, Kings fans. We will talk to you soon.